Today, we are kicking off a brand new service called Get Your Life Back. Get Your Life Back. And it's going to be an incredible series. Um, and, and I just want to say that I think our world has had a tough past 18 months. Now, I'm not here to focus on that today. Um, in fact, I kind of get tired of talking about that. And actually, I kind of get tired of hearing about it as well. But, but at the same, like I was at a conference not long ago and they said that phrase and I was like, oh my gosh, I don't want to hear that. But at the same time, like we can't just act like nothing ever happened. Because through that process, there were some things that happened in our lives. It affected us in ways that maybe we haven't even discovered yet. But it affected us, and, and you know, we, many of us in the past year and a half lost our lives. And I don't mean that in a physical sense. I mean that in the sense that we lost our hope. We lost our purpose. We lost our joy, our passion, our drive, our calling. We lost our fulfillment. And it's because something changed in the meantime. But the big idea around this series is that we're going to get back everything that the enemy took from us. We're, we're going to get it back. We're going to get our life back. But the truth is, is that our souls just were not meant to absorb all the noise and trauma of the world. They just weren't. And, and we do this every day in our lives through our phones, through social media, and, and we take taken in all of the junk of the world. And I got this lint roller here, and that's a big hair that's on it, but... Um, <laughs> I got this lint roller here, and this lint roller represents our souls. And if you didn't know this, our souls are, they're sticky, like a lint roller. And everywhere we go, junk is, is sticking to our soul. You know, the lint roller is useful, like if you, I, we got a dog, but if you have dog or cats or anything like that, you can get the hair off your clothes, or you can get lint off your clothes, whatever you need. And so our lives are a lot like this lint roller, in the sense that everywhere we go, the junk of the world is sticking to our souls. When we go to work, we pick up some, some dirt from our coworkers. When, when we go and, and we're having to deal with difficult situations and relationships, we're picking up junk on our souls. Hey, when we go to social media, I like to do it like this for social media because it's like we're getting all the dirt on our souls, right, from social media. I mean, you could be on social media for like 20 seconds and you done picked up just the weight of the world. And now Pastor Ben made this statement uh, this past week at First Wednesday. He said that the disciples, they lived their lives, they walked everywhere they went, and really they lived their lives at three miles an hour. And with, with social media and with smartphones, we live at the pace of a smartphone, but can I just say that our souls were not meant to live at the pace of a smartphone? Because, I mean, if you think about it, um, we get updates on how many new COVID cases there are every single day. We get updates on what's happening in every single place in the world real time. I mean, back during Jesus' day, it would have taken weeks for some of that information to get to them, but we get it as soon as it happens. And then every hour, we're getting another update, another update. And can I just say that we were not meant to carry the weight of the world. But what happens is we get the junk of the world stuck to our soul. And the thing about lint rollers, if you've used one before, that you know about them, is you can use them and they're useful to clean off your clothes and all that. But they have a capacity, right? Once they get enough dirt stuck to them, once they get enough lint, whatever it is stuck to them, they can't, they're no longer useful for what they were intended to do because they're full. There's a capacity, and our souls are the same way. 
Our souls have a capacity, and once they get full of all the junk of the world, all the junk from social media, all the situations that we're allowing it to stick to our souls, once they get full, now they can no longer do what God intended for them to do. Now we can no longer be there for our families like we're supposed to. Now we can no longer be in union with God like He wants us to be. Now we can no longer serve Him like He has called us to because we're taking in all the junk of the world. We're taking in all the junk of the world and it's sticking to our souls, preoccupying us with with all the stuff of the world. And, And you know, I think that that's why the Bible tells us in Proverbs chapter four, it says, keep a vigilant watch over your heart because that's where life starts. It's right here in the heart. That's where life starts. And if if we're not guarding our heart from the junk and from the trauma and, and all the junk of the world, we will ultimately lose our joy. We'll ultimately lose our lives. And, and I mean, this, this says it plain. Like, life starts in the heart. That's where it starts. And so if we don't guard our heart, we will ultimately lose our life. And, and if I'm being honest, a lot of us may say, you know, I, I lost my joy and my purpose and my drive and my dreams and all these things. And respectfully, I would ask, well, have we been guarding our hearts? Because that's where life starts. So if, if we don't have life and life to the full like Jesus came to bring, maybe it's because we're not guarding our hearts. But I believe that through this series, Get Your Life Back, I believe that God's going to do a mighty work, that God's going to restore our lives, that we're going to get our purpose back, we're going to get our dreams back, our peace back, our joy back, our drive, our purpose to serve God. Come on, we're going to get our lives back in Jesus' name by the power of the Holy Spirit. We're going to get, get, get our lives back, and I just believe that. But the ultimate goal of our relationship with God is that we be in union with God, that we be one with Him. And the Bible says it like this, that it would, we, would be, we would remain in Him and Him in us. And we see this in John chapter 15. He says it right here. He says, remain in me as I also remain in you. And he says, no branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. And he said, I'm the vine and you are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. But apart from me, you can do nothing. Come on, I want us to say that last phrase together on the count of three. Ready? One, two, three. Apart from me, you can do nothing. Apart from God, we can't do anything. And that's why it's so important that we're in union with him. But this verse, it paints a beautiful picture of what it looks like for us to be one with God, for us to be in union with him is that we remain in him and he remains in us. It's a beautiful picture of that, but the problem is is that we don't always live our lives in union with God. We don't always live our lives one with him. And it's because we allow our souls to be filled up with all the junk and with all the trauma and all the stuff of the world. And now, because our souls are at capacity, they're catching all the junk from the world and everywhere else, they're at capacity. And so now, we can no longer be in union with God like we're supposed to be. See, if our relationship with God was like holding hands, this is kind of how a lot of us are, just folded hands, right? You know, guys, whenever you started dating, maybe you're married or you got a girlfriend, whenever you started dating her, you didn't you know, try to put the moves on her and come alongside her and try to hold her hand like this, right? You, didn't, you just didn't do that. I mean, I know I didn't do that. When I first started liking Danielle, I wasn't like, hey, girl, come here, let me hold your hand and just like hold it like that right there. 
No, I wanted to intertwine those fingers, right? That's how you want to do it, like there, because it's more intimate. It's more relational. You want the intertwined fingers. And really, I think that's what God ultimately wants for us. That's what union with God looks like, is that he's in us and we are in him. We are entangled in his, in his life and he's entangled in our life. And, and we have this intimate relationship with God. So it's not like this. It's like this. But a lot of times we live our lives like this because our souls are preoccupied with the junk of the world. But today, I'm going to talk about something that sticks to our souls, that if we are not careful, if we're not careful, it it will cause, it will take up a lot of space in our souls, causing us to not have union with God. But first, I wanted to tell you that there was a pastor who was speaking to his congregation one time, and he asked them the question. He said, if you have forgiven all of your enemies, I want you to raise your hand. And 50% of the room raised their hand. He said, okay, put your hands down. Now, if you're trying to forgive your enemies or you want to forgive your enemies, now I want you to raise your hand. And the other 50% of the room raised their hand except for one little old lady who was sitting in the room. She didn't raise her hand. And he said, well, excuse me, ma'am, do you not want to forgive your enemies? Why are you not raising your hand? And she said, well, it's not that I don't want to forgive them. It's just that I don't have any. And he said, oh, wow, that's amazing. How do you not have any enemies, you know, like that's crazy. And and so he asked her, he said, respectfully, do you mind me asking, how old are you, ma'am? And she said, well, I'm 98 years old. He was just amazed. He said, wow, this is so crazy that within 98 years, you don't have one single enemy. Would you mind sharing with the rest of the congregation how you've managed to do that? And she slowly stood up and she turned facing the congregation. She said, well, of course. And she said, I outlived every one of those suckers. (laughs) So... She outlived them all, so I thought that was pretty funny, but the truth is, is that all of us deal with unforgiveness, and so I want to bring a message around the topic of unforgiveness in our lives, and we all deal with this at, at times in our life, and we have to be very intentional about showing forgiveness and not allowing bitterness to set up and to fester in our hearts, because the truth is, is that unforgiveness will steal our joy, it'll steal our purpose, and ultimately it'll steal our lives, and And I just want to say that the way that we as society are approaching forgiveness isn't working. Holding grudges, waiting on them to come apologize first, it isn't working. And ultimately, it's not hurting them, it's hurting us. It's hurting hurting ourselves. And the Bible tells us in Matthew chapter 6, right here, it says, For if you forgive other people when they sin against you, then your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others their sins... Your Father will not forgive your sins. Wow. So this verse lets us know that by holding unforgiveness in our heart towards others, ultimately we lose our lives because we lose our ability to be forgiven by the Father. He won't forgive us if we don't forgive others. And so before I get into talking about how we forgive others, I want to talk about a couple of misconceptions about forgiveness, just things that that we believe that just aren't true. And the first thing is that Forgiveness is excusing their behavior. A lot of people think, man, uh, you know, if, if I forgive them, that sends the, the statement that what they did was okay. And I just want to say that is not true because what they did was not okay and it will never be okay. What they did was wrong and it was hurtful. And we often choose not to forgive because we feel like we're, we're it's, it's like we feel like we're putting our stamp of approval on what they did, but that's not really the case. Forgiveness is not excusing their behavior. What they did was wrong. And so we can still forgive them. We can still show forgiveness to those who have hurt us without saying that what they did was okay. The next thing is that 
a lot of people believe that forgiveness is forgetting. Forgiveness is forgetting. Maybe you've heard that before. The truth is that just because you forgive someone doesn't mean that you're going to forget about what they did. You might still remember the events, the trauma, the traumatic events that you've experienced. You may still remember that for a really long time. You may never be able to forget what happened. But God's goal in your life, ultimately, is that you would find healing in your soul. That you find healing in your heart so that every time that you remember it, you don't have to relive it all over again and feel the pain in your heart and the pain in your soul all over again. So forgiveness, it is not forgetting. But the third one says that forgiveness is reconciliation. Now, a lot of people, they say, I'll forgive them whenever they come and say they're sorry, right? Like the day that they come down on their hands and knees, begging like a dog, just begging, that's when I will forgive them, right? But can I just say newsflash, that day may never come. It may never come. And what if it doesn't ever come? See, the problem with this approach is that when we're waiting on them to apologize before we show forgiveness, we give them power over us because we put the ball in their court and we say, hey, you know, I'm waiting on you. Whenever you move, I'll move. But the whole time that we're waiting on them to come apologize, and again, it may never happen, the whole time that we're waiting on that, every other area of our lives are being affected because it's not only gonna affect us, it's gonna affect our relationships with our families and with our friends and ultimately our relationship with God. And so this, this way just doesn't work to wait. But God also understands that there may be certain situations and certain circumstances where reconciliation in a relationship just is not healthy. Like it may not be a good idea for you to move forward in a relationship with certain people depending on what happened. And God understands that. So just because you forgive them doesn't mean you got to be their best friend. Just because you forgive them doesn't mean you have to reconcile and have a relationship with them moving forward. So forgiveness does not necessarily mean reconciliation. Now, the fourth thing is that forgiveness is not fair. It's not fair. Um, maybe you've heard of this before, but I just want you to remember that, that God isn't about fair, right? He doesn't, hand out, he doesn't hand out forgiveness based on merit, based on fairness. I would ask you this, like, do you want God to be fair to you for what you've done, or do you want God to forgive you? I know for me personally, I want God to forgive me. I don't want him to be fair for me. I don't want to get what I deserve. And that's the awesome thing about God is that he gives us grace and he gives us mercy. But the thing about this is that if we're going to make someone else pay for their wrongdoing, then we have to be ready to pay for our wrongdoing as well. And so the fifth one is that time will heal it. And maybe you've heard the phrase before that says, time heals all wounds. Anybody ever heard of that phrase before? Time heals all wounds. Can I just say, whoever made that phrase up lied, right? It's just not, it just ain't true. Now, I'll say like, time and space may help you for like, not feel the, the initial pain at, at first. Like, it may help you get some space to where it doesn't hurt quite as bad. But the moment that someone brings up their name, it's going to, going to set you off. Like you're going to, your blood pressure is going to go zero to a hundred real quick. Like you're just going to be set off when you hear their name or when you think about what they do, because ultimately time does not heal it. It may give you space, but it does not heal it. And I mean, it's kind of like this. Imagine breaking your leg. Like you broke your leg and you're like, yeah, I'm not going to go to the doctor. I'll just give it some time. Time will take care of it. Right. 
and you're walking around like hurting on your leg and everything, and you're not giving it the care that it needs because you're like, oh, time will heal it, right? No, you need to go to the doctor and you need to get it set and you need to get a cast put on it so it can heal the right way. Because it, if you don't go to the doctor, it might heal and it might get to a place where it doesn't hurt quite as bad as it is right now, but it's always going to give you problems, right? It's always going to give you issues if you don't get, get it taken care of where it can heal the way it needs to. And it's the same thing in our souls. It's the same thing in our hearts is that we have to allow God to heal it and not just say, oh, time will heal it. Time will take care of it. Time does not necessarily heal all wounds. It has to heal properly. And we have to open our hearts to the Holy Spirit to move in our lives so that we can find healing. So now that we know what forgiveness is not, I want to give us some practical advice on what on how to show forgiveness. And the first one is really simple, and that's that we need to pray for those who have hurt us. And this is something we see in the Bible. It's a biblical concept, and we see that in Luke right here, the next verse. It's in the book of Luke, right here on the screen. Right here, there it is. Luke chapter 6, and it says, Bless those who curse you and pray for those who hurt you. Wow, I mean, that's just plain as day right there, right? Bless those who curse you and pray for those who hurt you. So we're supposed to pray for those who hurt us. Around here at City Hope, we have a phrase that we use. We say, pray first. And what this means is that just the first thing that we're going to do is we're going to pray. The first thing in my day, I'm going to wake up and I'm going to pray. First part of my week, we come to church and we put God first. You did that today. Congrats. That's so awesome. Proud of you guys for doing that. The first of, hey, we were getting ready for our small group semester to launch, and the first thing we did was we did 21 days of prayer before we launched it. We pray first. Before we make decisions in every situation, we believe that we should pray first. And so I just think that if we're going to pray first in all these other circumstances and situations, I also believe that if we're trying to forgive someone, which, by the way, that can be really hard. Can I get a witness? That can be really difficult. And so I think if we're trying to forgive someone, the first thing that we ought to do is we ought to pray. I think we should follow what the Bible teaches us and that we should pray for them. But I think we should also pray and ask God to give us courage and ask God to give us boldness so that we can do what he's calling us to do, so that we can take the steps that he's giving us to take. And so, but not only should we pray for courage, we should also pray for them, for the person who has hurt us, for the person who has who has caused pain in our life. And I know what you're thinking. You're like, Caleb, how could I ever pray for them? How could I ever bless them? How could I ever do that? Like, you want me to pray for them? I'll pray hellfire and brimstone on them, right? Like, I'm just going to pray the fire of God come fall and consume them. Like, just burn them up, God, right? Like, there's a verse in the Bible that says, not their teeth, not the teeth out of my enemy, God, in, in, in Proverbs. And it says that. You're like, do that. But that's not the kind of prayer that we're talking about here. The Bible doesn't say pray that God would knock their teeth out. The Bible says to pray a blessing over them. And we see this in the Bible. And it's found right here in the book of Matthew. What's happening is Jesus is actually going against something that the, the people as a society grew up being taught. And it's right here. He says, you've heard it said to love your neighbor and to hate your enemy. But I tell you to love your enemies and to pray for those who persecute you. So he's like, you, you heard it said to, do, to love your neighbor and hate your enemy. I say pray for those 
who persecute you and love your enemies. And so Jesus is teaching them to do something that they weren't originally taught to do. I mean, in the Old Testament and this group of people that he was talking to, they were raised on, on the, you've heard of an eye for an eye? That's what they were taught of in the Old Testament, was if, if someone hits you, you hit them back. If someone, if someone kills someone you love, you kill someone they love. If someone cusses you, you cuss them out. Like, you just get them back. Some of y'all are like, yeah, I like that rule. I like that law, right? But Jesus is like, no, 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 I don't want you to do that. Don't do it like that. He says, I want you to pray for those who persecute you. I want you to love your enemies. Wow, and this, is such a dip, this can be a difficult concept for us, and we have to have union with God to be able to do this. We have to have the Holy Spirit helping us to do this. But a lot of us, the problem with a lot of us is that we want to get revenge. We want to make them pay. We want to make them feel the pain that we have had to feel. And Jesus teaches us not to get revenge. He teaches us to love them and to pray for them. When I was studying for this message, I learned from psychology today, there's a study that went out that shows that when people seek revenge for a hurt or a pain, when they seek revenge, it actually leaves their wound, the, the wound that they feel, the pain, it leaves it gaping open, preventing them from being able to heal properly. And I, I think that's pretty, pretty cool, pretty interesting, um, but it's not very surprising because I think that God created our bodies and, and like he knows what we should do and he's been telling us in the Bible what to do the whole time. So I think Jesus maybe knew what was best for us to do when he said, hey, love your enemies, pray for them, pray for those who hurt you. I think Jesus kind of knew what he was talking about, right? I mean, I don't know, are y'all with me? Y'all think Jesus knew? Um, I, I think he did. I think that Jesus knew that choices lead and that feelings follow. Like, I don't always feel like showing forgiveness, but I can choose to show forgiveness. And then as a result of that, bitterness comes out of my heart. That, that's festering. The bitterness is removed. The weight is lifted off of my shoulders. But we have to decide to forgive, and we have to decide to pray for them, even when we don't feel like it. And I would just say, like, I challenge you to give it a try. And I'm not challenging you to do something that I haven't already done for myself. But I challenge you to give it a try. And your prayer may start out something like, you're going to be praying for them. And, and I know because I've been there out of experience. It's like, God, I come to you with Joe. And I pray you do something to him. Like, <laughs> don't do anything good to him, but do something to him. Like, I, I don't know what it is, but do something to him, God. And then you begin to pray for him, and it's like that. And then you begin to pray for him some more, and it's like, God, I guess bless him maybe a little bit. Like just a little bit, not too much though, but a little blessing would, would do, but not too much. And then it becomes, a good, it, it becomes a little more sincere and it's like, God, I, I do pray that you bless Joe. Bless Joe. That'd be good if you could do that. And then it becomes more real in your heart. God begins to work in your heart and it becomes more real and it sounds something more like, God, I pray that you would bless Joe. I pray that you'd give him the experience that he needs to come into a meaningful relationship with you. Turn his heart towards you, God. Bless his family, save his family, bring him close to you. It's this progression that takes place, and, and really it's not necessarily about them, it's about what God's doing here in us. And Craig Groeschel says it like this, he says that your prayer for others may not change them, but it will always change you, it will always change you. And so when we pray for them, it helps us to find healing for ourselves. It may not change what they're doing, 
but it will help us grow and it will help us become the people that God is calling us and leading us to be. Um, so the next thing is that, that we see steps to forgiveness is that we have to forgive as we have been forgiven. So I have to forgive others just as I have been forgiven. We see this in Colossians chapter 3, verse 13, right here on the screen. It says, forgive one another if any of you has a grievance against someone. Forgive as the Lord forgave you. Can we say that together? Come on. Forgive as the Lord forgave you. That's what the Bible teaches us to do is to forgive others as the Lord has forgiven us. And we see a really interesting uh, picture of this in the Bible in Matthew chapter 18. And I'm, I don't have that in your notes today, but, and it's not on the screen, but I'm going to share this story with you. I would encourage you to go back and read it. But basically, this is the parable of the unmerciful servant. And what takes place in this is that there was a servant who owed the king 10,000 bags of gold. And when it came time for him to pay, the servant wasn't able to pay what, what the debt was. And so he, he begged of the king. He said, would you please forgive me? Would you please cancel my debt? And the king said, very well, because you've asked this, I will forgive you. I, I will cancel the debt. And so he forgave him of his debt. Well, then when that servant left, he went and found one of his own servants who owed him like 100 pieces of, of silver, which, by the way, is a, a drastic amount difference in how much less it was that he was owed. And he found him and he demanded that he pay him back. He said, you, you have to pay me back. I demand that you give me my money back. And when he couldn't pay him back, he had him sent to jail. And so this man here did not forgive as he had been forgiven. He did not forgive as he had been forgiven. And as a result, what happened was the king heard of this and he brought him back and he said, hey, I forgave you of your debt, which was much greater. Why didn't you forgive them of what they owed you. Why didn't you forgive them? And he said, because you have done this, now I'm going to have you put in jail to be tortured, and you're going to be there until you can pay me back. And so what we see here is that this servant who refused to forgive as he was forgiven, he ultimately traded his forgiveness with the king for holding someone else guilty, for holding someone else responsible. And in verse 35 of this story, what we see, it says, it says this is how my heavenly father will treat you unless you forgive your brother or your sister from your heart. This is how you'll be treated, unless you show forgiveness. And so unless we forgive as we have been forgiven, then we won't be able to find forgiveness for the Father ourselves. And I don't know about you, but I've been forgiven of so much. God has forgiven me of so much, and I do not want, I don't want to allow um, myself to lose my forgiveness so that I can hold someone else accountable, so I can hold someone else guilty. God calls us to forgive. He calls me to forgive just as I have been forgiven. And at some point, we have to realize that if we choose to forgive, that it doesn't change the past, never will change the past, but it will change the future. It will change what's ahead. You know, unforgiveness is kind of like, it's kind of like drinking poison. It's like I'm drinking poison and I'm expecting them to die. How many of y'all know that would not work, right? It just won't work. I'm the one who's going to suffer from it. And that's what happens with unforgiveness. It's a tool of the enemy. And it's used to keep us in bondage. It's used to hold us in bondage. Lewis Smead said this. I found this quote. It said, when we forgive, we set a prisoner free only to realize that we were the prisoner. We were the prisoner the whole time. And so forgiveness brings us freedom. I'd say forgiveness is not so much about 
about them as it is about us finding freedom and peace and healing in our own lives. So it's not so much about them as it is about us and and the work that God is doing in our lives. And so the third thing that we see, practical step towards freedom, towards forgiveness, is that forgiveness is a daily choice. It's a daily choice. And we see this in Matthew chapter 18, verse 21. He says, Then Peter came to him and asked, Lord, how often should I forgive someone who sins against me? Seven times? And he said, No, not seven times, Jesus replied, but 70 times seven. I thought, you know, Peter thought he was going to be slick or whatever. He's like, should I forgive him seven? And Jesus is like, you just wish it was only seven, right? Try 70 times seven. By the way, that math equals out to be about 490 times. And, but the point is, is that some people think that, that forgiveness is a one and done kind of thing. Like I forgive them one time, hey, I forgive you, whatever, and that's it. But it doesn't always work that way. Sometimes you have to forgive again and again and again and again, and you have to keep showing forgiveness. You have to work at it sometimes. By the way, um, I think it would take a really long time to forgive someone 490 times, what the Bible was saying. I think it would take a really long time to forgive someone. I kind of was doing the math on that, and it, it would take almost a year and a half to forgive someone 490 times if you forgave them one time for every day in the year, right? Almost a year and a half, which, by the way, I don't think Jesus wants us to have a tally mark or a tally sheet on our refrigerator where we're counting off how many times we've shown forgiveness, right? I don't really think that that's what God wants us to do. I don't think that's the point. That's not the heart behind it. But I do think that, I do think that if we forgave someone one time every day for a year and a half, I think God would be doing a deep work on the inside of us in the meantime. And I think we would realize that our lives are totally different as a result. But it's a daily choice to forgive people. It's a daily choice. It's something we have to choose to walk in every single day. You know, I was thinking, forgiveness is kind of like weeding a flower bed. Have any of you, ever, do any of you guys like have flower beds or like working in that kind of stuff? I don't know if you do, but it's kind of like weeding a flower bed, right? You pull those weeds out, you get them, and it's all clean, and it looks good and everything. But it's not just a one-time thing, right? Because those weeds are going to start growing back up again. And you've got to pull those weeds out again. It's something you have to maintain. It's something you have to maintain regularly if you're going to have a clean flower bed free of weeds, right? And it's the same thing as that the weeds of unforgiveness, they try to grow up in our life, and we pull them out, and we get rid of them. But then here comes some more. They grow back up, and we've got to pull them back out again. We've got to pull them back out. It's something that we have to maintain on a daily basis. It's something that we have to constantly do. We have to forgive And we have to forgive again and again and again. That's what we have to do as Christians is we have to choose to, we have to make a daily choice to say, I choose to forgive. And that's what I'm going to do. And so I'm going to pull those weeds out and I'm going to keep pulling them out. And if I'm being transparent with you today, um, you know, there's been times in my life where there's been people who have, they've hurt me, they've said things to me, they made me feel like I was less than or they made me feel like I was worthless, and it hurt. And, and I kind of held a grudge against them for a while. I held a grudge against them. But then one thing that I started doing for those people is because I realized that I have to forgive as I've been forgiven. One thing that I started doing was every time I thought of those people and I, I thought of their name and I thought of what they had done and how they hurt me and the negative thoughts, I just started saying, God, I pray that you'd bless them. I pray a blessing over them. 
And you know that progression of prayer that I was talking about a minute ago? I say that because I experienced it, you know? At first, it was really hard. Like, I didn't want to pray for them. It's like, God, I guess bless them, you know? Like, it really was like that. But then as I began to pray for them and pray for them, eventually what began to happen was I began to pray over them like, God, I pray that you'd bless them, you'd bless their family, that you'd enlarge their territory, that you keep your hand on them, turn their heart towards you, work in their life, Jesus. It was God doing a work in me on the inside of my life. And as a result of me praying for them and choosing to daily pray over them and daily forgiving them and pulling those weeds of unforgiveness out and maintaining my life in that way, I realized that the bitterness towards those people was a little bit less. And then it was a little bit less and a little bit more less. And eventually it's not even there anymore because God's doing a work through our obedience to his word. God's doing a work in our lives through the obedience of his word. So as I get ready to close up here, I found something as I was studying this that I thought was pretty interesting about the benefits of forgiveness. There's a man by the name of Everett Worthington who he's the executive director of uh, a campaign for forgiveness research. And he's a psychologist who spent the majority of his career researching forgiveness. Like that's what he researched. And forgiveness brings many benefits that he discovered. And I got them on the screen for what they are. It, people who forgive, they have better immune system functions. Wow, how about that? It affects our physical body. We have better immune system functions. It also said that people who are, show forgiveness, they are more stable. It showed, number three, it showed that they have strong relationships. It, and in this study, it said that they have strong romantic and platonic relationships. And the last one said that they are happier and less prone to depression. People who show forgiveness. And I think that's pretty interesting. I think that's really cool. But it doesn't really blow me away necessarily because I, I kind of have that mindset that science is just catching up to what God has been saying the whole time. I mean, after all, he created this all. He created us all. And so I think if he said something in his word that he knew it was going to be best for us. And so by him saying it, of course, it's going to bring benefits to our life. We're just waiting on a psychologist to tell us, right? And so God's promises for our life are good. God has good plans for our lives, but we have to choose to walk in obedience to his word. And I say we all just do ourselves a favor and choose to forgive, to choose to live a lifestyle of forgiveness so that we can be the people God's called us to be. Hey, can we bow together in prayer this morning? God, we just thank you so much for this day. Thank you for the opportunity to worship you and for all of your many blessings, God. I pray that you would do a work on the inside of every person's heart this morning, Jesus. Those who have been harboring unforgiveness in their life, God, I pray that you'd help them to find freedom today, Jesus. You know, maybe you're here today and you would say, Caleb, there's someone in my heart that I haven't been able to forgive. I haven't been able to show them forgiveness. And I need God to give me courage. I need him to give me boldness and strength so I can show forgiveness. With every head bowed and eye closed, if that's you in the room, you say, I, I need some prayer. I just want to pray over you today. I'm not going to embarrass you or call you out, none of that. But if you'd say, I need help with forgiving someone today, if that's you, would you just lift your hand? Thank you. I see you. I see you. Hands everywhere today. Awesome. Hey, let me pray for you. God, 
I lift up every person today who is bold enough to say, that's me. I need to show forgiveness. I lift them up to you today, Jesus. And I pray that you'd give them strength. I pray that you'd give them courage, Lord, to walk in forgiveness and to live a lifestyle in obedience to your word, Jesus. I pray that you'd be all that they need today. God, that you you would be strong in their lives. God, give them the strength that they need. Give them all that they need. God, to take the steps that you have given to us so that that they don't have to relive the past pain all over again and so that they can walk in the freedom and the healing and the purpose that you have for their life, Jesus. I pray that over them today. Now, with everyone's head still bowed, I want to ask you this today. Maybe you're in the room and you'd say, you know, I, I can't even imagine what you're talking about, showing forgiveness to someone. People have hurt me and I can't even imagine I can't even imagine taking one step towards forgiveness with them. And I would ask you, maybe that's because you haven't been forgiven of your debt. You haven't been forgiven of your sin because it's really hard to show forgiveness of others when we haven't been forgiven for ourselves. So if you're here today, maybe you're even online with us this morning and you'd say, I I haven't been forgiven. I haven't been forgiven. But I want to be like that servant who went to the king who He asked for forgiveness and he received forgiveness for his debt. I want want to be able to get forgiveness today. Maybe that's you and you're far from God. If that's you and you say, I want to give my life, I want to say yes to Jesus today. On the count of three, I ask that you just lift up your hand. I want to embarrass you or call you out. If that's you, I want to say yes to Jesus. I I want to be forgiven of my sins. I want to have my name written down in the Lamb's book of life. If that's you today, one, two, three, just lift up your hand. Hey, I see you. That's so awesome. Hey, God's proud of you. Anyone else? I see you in the back. Hey, God's the Father smiling down on you today. Anybody else? I want to give my life to Jesus today. I'm ready to give it all to Him. I want to be forgiven of my debt, of my sin. Anyone else? Awesome, awesome. Hey, that's so awesome. Hey, can we pray this prayer together today? Let's pray this. Dear Jesus, I confess I need you in my life. I ask that you'd forgive me of a debt that's more than I can afford and it's my sins I ask that you forgive me you'd come into my heart that you'd wash me clean that you'd make me new Jesus with your help I'm going to follow you from this day forward for the rest of my life. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Come on. Can we lift up the name of Jesus in the house? Hey, God's moving. His presence is in the room. God is moving. He's powerful. He's strong. Hey, do you believe that today? Do you believe that God is for you? Hey, He's for you. And if He's for you, who can be against you? Come on. We serve a mighty God, powerful God.